from KQED. Hey everyone, I'm Emmanuel. I'm Kali. And I'm Jamidra. And we're the hosts of The The Cooler, Cooler, your weekly dose in pop culture commentary. Today we are fortunate enough to be at Pixar headquarters. Believe it. We've made it. (laughs) We are here with Sanjay Patel and Nicole Grindle, the team behind Sanjay's super team, an Oscar-nominated short at this year's Oscars. Mm -hmm. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Thanks, guys. So, guys, for those who aren't aware... What is Sanjay's Super Team, the short film that you are currently, let's say it again, Oscar nominated for? <laughs> so it's a short film from Pixar Animation Studios. And it's a pretty personal film. But the way I pitched it was it's a story about how every morning my father worshipped his gods in his shrine, which were the Hindu deities, and how I worshipped my gods in my shrine, which were superheroes and cartoons in my shrine, which was the television and it's a story about this conflict that occurred both in my history as well as in the short. And the boy gets this insight after having this kind of spectacular daydream. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then he kind of comes back and uh, he's able to sort of reconcile what he couldn't reconcile in real life with his father. And so you kind of find this kind of middle ground, this common ground between these two different cultures and these two different generations. And I might say for a larger context that uh, Sanjay's Super Team is a short film that appeared before The Good Dinosaur, which was Pixar's mm-hmm. last film released. If you didn't get a chance to see that film in the theater, it's going to be released on iTunes. I know a lot of our friends, my adult friends, have, have asked me about where they could see it. And yes, we are nominated for an Oscar, which is kind of overwhelming. You can't say that enough, really, can Yeah, you? I was <laughs> just going to say, say that again. Just just soak it in. I, I always feel like, you know, my, some people look at me like, yeah, right, <laughs> you're nominated for an Oscar. You know, I'm, I'm a soccer mom. You know, I had to explain why I couldn't come to a soccer end-of-season party, and people were like, what? <laughs> you were like, I'm going to hang out with Jennifer Lawrence, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry I can't make it. I'm going to the Oscars. <laughs> for the most badass reason imaginable. Exactly. Amazing. <laughs> So you had mentioned these two different worlds, the the world of your father and your own world with TV and American culture. That's something that I've had to navigate as well because my parents are Greek immigrants. And I was just wondering what your process was towing the line between those worlds in your own life. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think growing up, there was no way for me to appreciate it, but I'm certainly not alone. As I've sort of gotten older, I've seen so many other immigrants kind of have to sort of navigate this as well. Growing up, I was the one sort of brown kid in my sort of middle school, elementary school, high school, art school. (laughs) And uh, there just wasn't a large Indian American uh, community there. And so I was pretty, pretty much alone. And I wanted pretty much nothing to do with my cultural identity. In many ways, I really sort of shut that part of my life out. And I was, I think, as if I could sort of not be brown and not have a name like Sanjay. There was just no way to sort of make that disappear. But you know, when you're a kid, you just want to fit in as hard as possible with whatever the sort of dominant culture is. And the dominant culture around me was Caucasian, let's say. You know, that's, that's exactly what I'd see on TV, at least. And so I just wanted to be that. And so I really wanted my name to go away. I really wanted my name to be Travis. I was going to say, did you have a name? <laughs> Travis. <laughs> I had a good friend named Travis. He was Caucasian. He was popular. He had uh, girlfriends. <laughs> but did Travis know that you also wanted to be a Travis? No way. <laughs> he knows now. 
Totally. It was Travis, but I mean, Travis is not nominated for an Academy Award. This right? is true. <laughs> that's not, you know, that's not do down Travis. He could be, he could be doing lots of stuff we don't know. About. I should say that the Dukes of Hazard was very popular at that time, and I was. Oh boy. It was definitely th- those were sort of deified in my head. Those guys were cool. <laughs> guys like Sanjay weren't. But to answer your question, like I pretty much tried to reject my roots and reject my cultural identity. I think the identity that I took on was sort of the mantle of being an artist. It was only after like ten years of working here at Pixar that I finally feel like you know I had sort of worshipped enough European art, Renaissance art, American art, American animation, and especially after working on so many of these blockbusters at Pixar, I felt like like wow, you know, I'd been a part of like helping sort of turn the sort of culture needle with people really loving animation. It just felt like my cup was full there. And uh, it kind of opened up this space to look at different art and different inspiration. It was at this time that (laughs) electronic music was very popular here in San Francisco. It was kind of mid-90s. And I was pretty obsessed with this kind of obscure strain of electronic music called Goa Trance. Wow. Yeah. Tell us more about <laughs> know, Goa right? Trance, please. I must know. So uh, it was kind of embarrassing, but I was really into it. It was piping in my ears like 24-7. And the thing that kind of stood out to me was the CD artwork and the sort of the flyers for these kind of underground parties were all covered in this sort of spiritual imagery from my parents' culture. Hmm. There were a lot of samples that had like, I don't know, mantras and chants from things that I heard from my mom and dad's culture. And I was... It was kind of kind of shook my head up a little bit when I was like, "Whoa!" Suddenly, this seemed cool, and suddenly it felt safe to kind of out myself as brown, even though there was no way I could hide that. <laughs> Guess what, guys? I've been brown this I've whole been time. I've been brown this whole time. Surprise! <laughs> totally. <laughs> and so it kind of opened this door to like you know check it out and dig deeper. Although the imagery on the CD art and although the, the mantras that I was hearing was like straight up samples from my parents' culture, it wasn't like completely going to fit with my culture. And so that's when I kind of discovered Indian miniature paintings. And I found it through the vehicle of art, which, as I said earlier, I, I felt comfortable with that identity. And it finally felt like I had seen the pictures in my parents' shrine, but I never read the stories. And I was never told the stories. And once I started reading them, it really hit me like a ton of bricks. It was such a charge of inspiration because it was like, wow, these are like amazing characters, amazing philosophy and rich, like sort of timeless wisdom. It's exactly all the things that we go for here at Pixar. But it was something from my parents' culture. And it was stories and characters that none of my friends at Pixar knew about. And so as soon as I started telling my friends about it, they got really excited. And they're like, Sanjay, you got to like do more of this. And I started exploring that side of my identity through storytelling and illustration. And that's how I started to reconcile and kind of bring the two worlds together. Sorry, I know that was a long-winded answer to that your was question. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> you basically like said my life story, but oh. I'm not a Pixar animator, but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I went through the similar things of awesome. I I was trying to be Alex at college. Huh. And then people would be like, "Hey Alex." I, I didn't respond because that's not my name. <laughs> like, it's uh, Jamie. I just wanted to be Jamie and I so I can identify with the idea of maybe if I just don't whitewash your name, they won't notice me. They won't notice that I'm totally. brown. <laughs> totally. As if you can hide it. As if you can um, hide it. Totally. So I'd like to really know how, how your father, has he seen this short? I'm sure he has. Uh, yeah. 
Nicole, do you want to take this one? It's <laughs> <laughs> too close to it. It's too loaded. Well, uh, for a long time, people were asking Sanjay while we were making the film, so what does your dad think about this right. film that you're making? And he was evasive initially about it. And finally, he said, look, here's the deal with my dad. My dad runs this motel in San Bernardino. He works 24-7. And honestly, he never goes to the movies. He's never seen any of the movies I've worked on, none of the Pixar movies. And in fact, he hadn't been to a movie in like 40 plus years. Um, and as Sanjay has mentioned to me in the past, he had, the last movie he saw, all he remembered was that Julie Andrews was in it. And he figured it must be like The Sound of Music or something. Yeah. <laughs> Potentially. <laughs> and so he thought, how am I going to explain all of the work that I've done here to my dad? He's never seen CG animation. He's never seen animation. And if I show him this film, furthermore, it's going to be a film in which he stars. Like, how weird is that going to be? But finally, Sanjay overcame his discomfort with this. And we, we brought him up here to the studio and set it up so that we were actually recording it. So we have a little mm-hmm. video recording of his dad watching the film and you know brought him into this theater. And it was really just the three of us and some people with video cameras and showed him the film and then talked to him. And he was so wonderful. I mean, he was, you know, he knew that he was going to be representing for his son. And so, you know, initially, I think he was all business and said that he liked the film very much. And it was about a compromise between father and son. Um, But as we talked to him about that, he got kind of emotional. And I got really emotional talking to him about it because as a parent myself, you know, I could feel that energy of how hard he had worked all his life to take care of his two sons, you know, his family, and how overwhelmingly exciting it was and gratifying to see how successful his son was. Mm -hmm. And not only was his son successful, but here he was acknowledging everything that his father was trying to teach him all his life. And in that moment, you know, he got emotional, I got emotional, Sanjay felt really uncomfortable and embarrassed. (laughs) It was happening. (laughs) Um, But it was a really beautiful moment. It's such a privilege to be able to kind of, I don't know, reconcile with your parents in this way that I can't summon up any other way that I could show how much I care and I love my parents and any other way than like through my art. Mm-hmm. And I'm a dude, so I'm not going to express myself other than through pictures, you know, I don't know how to talk. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's such a privilege to like then galvanize the studio to help make this kind of love letter to my father. You know, it's I'm just so grateful that he was able to sort of bear witness to it. And I was able to sort of grow up and appreciate what he was trying to share with me for so long. You know, I don't, I don't think many immigrants get a chance to come to peace with the world they had to leave behind and uh, the sort of assimilation that they have to do to sort of survive and then to sort of turn that all into a piece of art that they think share with this sort of culture that they've come to. I think it's pretty, it's, it's pretty special. So I'm really grateful that Pixar was able to sort of see the merit in that and then really celebrate it. How do you feel about the idea that seeing this movie or this short might inspire similar conversations in other people? How does that, like, feel in your head? You know, yeah, it's it's funny. It's like when I was a kid, like, I didn't want to, like, talk to people about stuff. I just wanted stuff to feel normal. Mm-hmm. I wanted, like, brown people to feel normal, not like the butt of a joke. And so I just – I can't speak for other immigrants, but I know for me growing up as a kid, like, I just wanted things to feel, like, part – of the normal pop culture conversation. And I'm hoping this short does that. And I think it will because suddenly it's not going to be like, 
I don't know, that was weird or that was bizarre. It was like, that was cool. And little kids, be it brown, whatever sort of orientation culture will feel like excited about it and feel like, I don't know, they could be proud of it. I think that'll be great. Going back to your point about normalizing the relationship with immigrant parents, I was wondering if you've seen Aziz Ansari's Master of None, particularly the second episode (laughs) where it deals entirely with that. And it really got a conversation going online between different people who experienced those things and never were able to visualize it in that specific way. So have you seen it and did it resonate with you? (laughs) Yes, I've totally seen it. I love that show. (laughs) Um, It's a perfect example of what art can do in terms of being able to turn the sort of the culture toward normalcy or helping sort of, you know, be it Will and Grace, be it Ellen's show or Aziz's show, you know, here's shows that really are going to help the culture sort of evolve. Aziz has done something, and his partner has done, they've just done an amazing thing about bringing humor, insight, observation, and education to people that might not otherwise have a window into the sort of the nuance of what it's like to be culturally hyphenated, be it American, Indian, or whatever sort of part of the world you come from. Badass high fives to like vocal high fives to Aziz and his crew. So in love with it. That episode is awesome. I totally could empathize with like not caring and wanting to pay PlayStation and be yeah. a brat. It's awesome. I'm I'm fully 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 impressed by what that show has done. I think it's a big deal. And talking about like film being able to do this stuff, do you think that animation in many ways can do stuff that live action can't in this space? What I love is is the the power that that Pixar animation has to talk to children. And children are so open to all this kinds of stuff. And what's normal to them is different than what's normal to adults. And we have such an opportunity when we make media that's both for children and for their parents to to start a new conversation and and to define what normal is Mm -hmm. and, and to broaden it. So, I mean, I can say, you know, having being somewhat older than some of you here and having grown up in a really different kind of world, I'm so excited raising children in San Francisco to see what their definition of normal is. It blows my mind how much the world has changed already during my lifetime. And I love that we as producers of children's media have this opportunity to redefine it and broaden it. It's really exciting, but I really personally can see like we still have a a big way to go. You know, um, I'm a father, just recent father, and my son goes to a daycare, and uh, it's amazing what happens at this daycare. Like, they're studying, there's musicians that are, their pictures are on the wall, and there isn't anybody from Asia on this wall. Straight away, I see it, and when I point it out to other parents, they're like, oh, I didn't think about that. I'm like, uh, I'm, of course, like, pulling my hair out. I'm like, this is not right. And, right. and again, it's not about getting angry about it. It's like, no, I got work to do, and I can name several inspiring musicians from that part of the world that I feel like I want my son to be exposed to. And so um, I'm really hopeful that there's a, there's a lot more work that we can do and there's a lot more work that I personally still want to do. That was going to be one of my questions as a parent. Um, you talk about watching cartoons as a, as a kid and not seeing very many people who look like you. So you have a three-year-old, right? Yes. How do you make sure that he sees diverse images? Man, that is so hard. Yeah. It is so hard. Um, You know, I know I, this might sound pejorative, but it's like I'm as whitewashed as anybody out there despite being brown. I'm trying my dangest to, like, educate myself to sort of reestablish that side of my identity so I could have that to be able to share with my son. His mom is American, and so in this culture that I'm immersed in is... 
well, it's American. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's really hard. It's really hard. I, um, it's really hard for me to be able to sort of genuinely help him celebrate Diwali when I didn't grow up celebrating it. Or when the culture around us is not celebrating it, it really does feel artificial to sort of make it a special thing and to sort of give that sort of piece of his culture to him. It's hard. It's really tricky. And uh, I think so much of it comes down to the environment that um, Arjun is growing up in and the daycare that he's in. He's the only Indian kid in that, uh, Indian American, I should say, uh, kid in that daycare. And I'm aware of it. And the best I can do is sort of expose him to things that I think are rich and meaningful. I'm not going to give up on it. But at the same time, it's really delightful that he's like, he loves Cowboy Jared. He's, he's the musician that comes to our sort of daycare and he teaches him cowboy songs. And that's great. But there's definitely a part of my heart that like sort of breaks because he doesn't know about the sitar or the vena or some of these traditional instruments that, you know, are part of his heritage as well. So I don't know. It, it stirs up <laughs> lots of feelings for me. Uh, luckily, he's just three. He's got plenty of road to go. So mm-hmm. I feel there's going to be lots of time to sort of give him that richness. I think one way that your short deals with the way we expect things to happen in our culture is with the villain specifically. We're usually expecting the villain to be wiped from the earth completely, but <laughs> mm-hmm. that doesn't happen in this. It was a big deal for me that the antagonist isn't vanquished or destroyed in some way of violence, sort of paying homage to like my parents' philosophy. There's a strong sort of leaning toward incorrect action and correct action. Somebody who's misbehaving can also quickly be sort of turned around and figure out a way to sort of behave in a more spiritual manner. There's been so many sort of mythologies that I've read where it's the reformed villain that's the one that's essentially reciting the story. And it's just so many times where the heroes in all these epics are, you know, the most murderous and the most bloodied, you know, villains that have turned it around and sort of been able to sort of come to this sort of spiritual like enlightenment and then really sing these beautiful poems that have become these amazing epics. And so when it came down to like the boy sort of calming down this villain, we really didn't want him to be vanquished. We really wanted this villain to sort of be brought back to sort of humanity. So his multiple heads return to one head, his multiple arms get restored to two arms, and the humanity is restored. And the sort of calmness is like, you know, established. And that's all the father was trying to do with this little boy is to calm his sort of greedy, sneaky, selfish behavior. And that's what happens with this sort of force of kind of chaos that is unleashed. I love that point that there is nuance to all of us. There's bad in us and good in us. And we learn from the bad and move forward and try to be better. Yeah, so much, so often those philosophies were like, it's almost the villains can that could teach us more than the sort of the heroes. I think that's the glory of the shorts that, that you guys as a whole work on as well. I mentioned to my dad, I, I called him back in England this morning, and he said, what are you up to today? And I said, oh, I'm going to Pixar. <laughs> and we had a, a conversation about Toy Story and about how he took me to see Toy Story when I was a kid. And he oh. started talking about this short that had been in front of a Pixar movie that I had no recollection of. But he remembered every last detail. And I really do think that because they're so compressed, they have to be these perfect little little specimens, essentially. And I think that some folks would incorrectly think that they don't take a lot of time to produce, mm. which I'm sure 
you would want to correct that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yes. They, they take a lot of time. I mean, this one was at least three years, about a year, year and a half of development, and now then another year and a half of production. And then there were, you know, like almost 100 people who worked on it. It's harder to do something short than it is to mm. do something long, right? And, and once we boil down that message into something, people do remember it. And I agree with you. I mean, my, the shorts have always been among my favorite things we've done. For that reason. I have a very, 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 very serious question. Yeah. What are you wearing to the Oscars? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, we've had to talk about it a lot. I, I was feeling really strongly about the black hoodie. I was like, I'm wearing the black hoodie, dang it. And then people were like, grow up, Sanjay. I'm like, I'm like, I'm not buying a tuxedo. I'm like frugal immigrant. I feel like I'm in prom. I'm stuck in prom. I don't want to be in prom. For me, it's all been about the shoes. Oh, like yes. how long can I last in a pair of heels? Oh, yeah. But for Sanjay, it was all about the tie. The tie? <laughs> that's, that's, that's the dude thing. Yeah, that makes sense right? because you are kind of limited if you're not going to be super outlandish and show up in a swan dress and lay an egg <laughs> right. on the red carpet. Right. Hey, Bjork. Um, <laughs> that's not rule it. No, it's tricky actually. And, you know, there's definitely a part of me that feels like, wow, is this another moment for Sanjay to be assimilated? Or is this another right. moment where I could actually sort of express myself as hyphenated person? And I was like, yeah, man, just get over it. Just put on the monkey suit and, like, play the part. Um, I should also say, like, after we finished the short, there had been, like, maybe it felt like almost like a year of, like, helping to promote the short and really get bring attention toward the short. And it's been great. And then, like, I think halfway through that process, like – Oscar conversation started and then like we're in like this like kind of white hot place of like Oscar conversation Mm -hmm. and I should say like no disrespect to the Oscars but in many ways like I I, that wasn't ever on my radar it was always about making the material and making you know giving voice to a part of this culture that doesn't necessarily get seen or heard that's what mattered to me and that's the reason I did it but lately with this Oscar stuff it's just like it it almost it definitely like moved my sort of I don't know, sort of headspace into a different space of like, I want to win, I want to win. <laughs> <laughs> and that's like... That's the American side of you. <laughs> Competitive. So this weekend, I actually took some time and I read the Bhagavad Gita, a certain section of the Bhagavad Gita, because I was like, man, this is like tweaking my head a little bit. And I read section two, and the section two is about karma yoga. And karma yoga has this amazing principle, and the principle is have attachment to the work, but not to the results of the work. And I just thought, like, I got to remember this. I got to remember this. I cannot be attached to what comes from this. Making the film was such a delight, and it was definitely (laughs) stressful and work, but I really enjoyed it, and it was a pleasure, and I was so excited about that. And I'm really trying to let go of the rest. Well, we're so glad that you spoke up and produced this wonderful short. Good luck on Oscars night. Fingers across. But yes, please wear the hoodie. (laughs) Please wear the hoodie. You too, Nicole. Guys, thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks, you you. guys. That was so sweet. Yeah, our pleasure. 